I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting, Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 73, I saw my daughter's shocking text. Should I confront her? Oh, the battle continues in my house about getting a phone. I'm just not ready. I know we've had uh, several episodes. It, I feel like it weaves through podcasts, but what would you say are like two cardinal rules, just two things all parents should keep in mind with well, cell phones? First of all, I just have to say that I love that our listeners are getting like the real time unfolding. <laughs> oh, right? oh, I mean, it's like, because this is exactly what it's like for parents. They're like, should I? Shouldn't I? Yeah. Okay, what are important? Okay, Rena, I'm just going to, you know, this is going to be like, I'm going to get a tattoo. No phones in bedrooms, no phones in bedrooms, right? So like that one, just I feel very strongly about. I know a lot of people disagree. So I would do that. Um, And then I would say, go slow, go slow, right? Handing a phone to a kid is not like, Mm. all right, good luck. Let us know when, you know, when there's a crisis. I mean, like really go slow and um, keep a tight rein on it, at least at the beginning. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear the go so go so because we're we're nearing the end of fifth grade and a lot of parents because they're moving on to middle school give them a phone in fifth grade. I'm just personally not ready yet. I'm just personally not ready yet. I don't think he needs it right now. We get these great emails from people asking about various cell phone usage and what should you do. But this was interesting. It was about a mom who saw her daughter's text that she finds questionable, and it says, "Hi, Lisa." I love your podcast and listen every week. Your advice is so helpful for raising teenage girls. I recently came across a text on my 14-year-old daughter's phone. One of her good friends went to a party, got drunk, and spent the night with a guy. My daughter's reaction was what I would have hoped for. She was very shocked and was telling her she can't do that. 
My question is, do I ignore this text and pretend I didn't see it since my daughter was not involved? If I tell her I saw it, she may start deleting texts from her phone, which she knows not to do. It would also just cause her to be mad at me, which I can handle, but it would be a fight where neither of us did anything wrong. I know this probably won't be the last time something like this happens, so would love your advice on how to handle this. This is a great letter because, you know, it's a really good letter. These are things about cell phone usage that I don't even think about as a mom who hasn't given her kid one yet. But first off, I want to ask you is this normal? Like, should parents definitely be looking at their kids' texts? Well, that's a good question, right? Um, Probably yes and no, depending on their kid. But I will say it can also happen. I mean, you know, you, you know how somebody like leaves their cell phone right there and a text pops up? Like, it text pops up. Like, you, it doesn't even have to be that this parent was, you know, sneakily, you know, looking for their kids' texts and came across this. Like, you could literally be sitting there and a text pops up and then you look at it and you've read it before you've really thought through, you know, what you're doing. So um, I think it's a really good question. And I think it's a really complicated question. Because on the one hand, if when you hand over a phone to a kid and you say, oh, and by the way, I'm going to look at your texts when I want to, the good news is if you then happen to come across something like this, you don't have to apologize for the fact that you see it, yes. you've seen it, or anything like that. You can say, so remember how I said I would look at your texts? So I saw this text that I'm concerned by. The other good news is if you've said in advance, I might look at your texts, you know, that may be something I do. It can also help kids to use texting more carefully. You know how sometimes put mm-hmm. the kids will put like dumb things in text that they shouldn't do yeah. and they, you know they'll say something impulsive. For a parent to say, "I'm going to look if I feel like looking." It's like a speed bump hmm. for text behavior. Cuz it so, gets them to know, think about not doing it. They're going to mom's yeah, going to exactly, looking at like, this. Oh. I shouldn't do it. Exactly, right? And so, you know, if you think about your son and getting started and he's in the 5th or 6th grade, I would probably go ahead and say, you should fully expect I will pick up and look at your phone whenever I feel like it, because if everybody else can see it, I can see it because you're in the fifth or sixth grade, and that feels appropriate. Where it gets uncomfortable is, especially for kids who are really well-behaved and trustworthy and don't have impulse control issues, or especially for older kids, they'd be like, "That's why would you need to look at my texts? Like, And, and Rena, like, I actually don't do anything online that I wouldn't do in public, but I actually would feel super weird if my husband were looking at my texts. Totally. I mean, it's a sense of trust, too, don't you think? You know, um, when you have reason to sort of look at another adult's text or, you know, it's like there's a trust issue there, right? But with kids, there's constantly a trust issue. I I don't fully feel like I'm ready to take up the trading wheels on anything. I think that's right. I think that's right. So I think there's a couple different ways to walk up to this particular question. So... Let's imagine, let's start with the easy version of this story, which is the mom who otherwise has no reason to monitor this kid's texts and has not felt the need, and probably appropriately so, to say to her, just so you know, I'm going to be looking at your phone if I feel like it, is sitting there and happens to see this. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty straightforward, which is that she goes to the kid and says, look, I was not, you know, sneakily trying to look through your phone. I was sitting there. It popped up. I read it. We need to talk about it that text. I think that's pretty straightforward. Where it gets much, much harder is if this is a parent who has, without having had a conversation with her kid about it, is occasionally going through the kid's phone just to check to see if there's anything to worry about. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
to me feels like a more worrisome dynamic. Yeah. Um, and for a couple of reasons. You know, one is because then if you find something, now what do you do? Right. Right. And I've, I've taken care of families like this where the parent finds something concerning. And then they're in this terrible dilemma of do I say something and let her know or let him know that I saw it, at which point we'll have a big fight and also they will go underground from there? Yeah. Or do I not say something and continue to monitor so I can keep getting information, right? I mean, it's a terrible position mm-hmm. to be in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what is the sense? Should parents have routine checks? Like, you know, the parent here is saying, I told her, you know, don't delete your text. So kids are smart. They'll just delete their texts, right? And if they know you're checking regularly, should you be checking without your child knowing? I mean, how does that work? Like, is there a system? How do you keep an eye on it if you aren't getting every single text to your phone, right? Which most parents aren't. Yeah, I think... I have no problem with parents checking their kids' phones, especially young kids, impulsive kids, you know, kids who are still getting used to um, using digital technology to communicate. I think, as a rule, we should be above board about it. I mean, I think we should say, you know what, if everyone else can see it, I can see it too. So just so you know, I will check your phone and I need to have your password. And that's a done deal. Like, I have no problem with it if it's all above board. And I would say that if parents start down that path, and they feel like it's going well, they could feel comfortable starting to loosen the reins Mm -hmm. a bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I also both know, like, if you really want to try to monitor every corner of a kid's social media use, I mean, you would have to have no job and stay up 24 hours a day trying to do that. I mean, it's not really realistic to think that you can keep, you know, total control over how your kid uses social media. That's really hard to do. What it makes me think is if you feel the need to have total control and supervise that closely, I'm like, well, then is this kid really ready for a phone? Or is this kid really ready for a phone that they leave the house with or go to their bedroom with? You know, I think if we're into questions about that level of trustworthiness, I think there's a bigger question to be had about what's going on in the relationship with that child, what's going on with that kid's readiness to use technology in this way. So those are the places I'd want parents to kind of wrestle with. And I think about you and thinking about your son giving him a phone. You're going to have to go into that with some presumption of trusting that he'll use it well. Right. And if you don't have it, don't give him the phone. Right. And also, you know, it's responsibility, which I've been milking to the core, just saying <laughs> you, you're not even picking up your clothes on the floor. How can I trust you with the phone if you can't do these basic things? But That's awesome. It, it's been great. That has been great because he's trying to prove that to me. But, you know, it, it's it's just, let's be honest, this is an age where they do stupid things. I mean, aren't they wired in their brain to do stupid things? <laughs> it feels that way as a parent, you know, as they're well, struggling. They are wired to do stupid things, and they are wired to be sensation-seeking, and they are wired to make mistakes, as were we, Rena. <laughs> and this is the really other interesting way to think about it. The stuff we did that our parents had no way to mm-hmm. know we were doing, mm-hmm. there was plenty of it. And that doesn't mean that we say, oh, well, like my folks had no idea what I was up to. I'm going to just turn a blind eye to what my teenager is up to. But the other problem with digital technology sometimes in family life, especially if parents are monitoring closely, 
you get a lot of data that you right. may not actually want to have right. about your teenager. And so, again, as parents are weighing this question of, you know, am I checking? Why am I checking? Am I going to be upfront about the fact that I'm checking? I think there should be an open conversation with that young person of, here's why I'm going to check. Here's the conditions under which I will start to check less. Here are the conditions under which you will lose your phone. I mean, like to really try to not just do it to do it, not just to collect data to collect data, but to go in with a a rationale for why you're doing it the way you're doing it, if you can. Mm. We're going to take a quick break, Lisa. But on the other side, I want to ask you, do the parents have an obligation to tell the parents of a friend? I know this is an ongoing thing and you've got thoughts on it. We'll be right back. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it, and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herb squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ask Lisa. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using Earth Breeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, And yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash ask Lisa. 
Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So we're talking about what you should do when you oversee your child's uh, text on your child's phone. Do you think that this this do you think that this mom should reach out to the parent? Well, that's a great question. So let's first she has to tell her kid that she saw it if she's going to do that, right? Because if it would already be deepening the weirdness if she doesn't tell her kid that she saw it, but does make a call to the other parent. So I do think there is something to be said if this parent has this information and, you know, can one way or another say to her daughter, look, I saw this. Either I saw it because it was right next to me and it happened to pop up, or I need to let you know that I was looking through your phone. I, you know, I understand if you're upset with me about that. I should have been upfront about the fact that I was going to do it. Mm I'm going to do it going forward. I understand if that means you might get sneakier. You know, this is about safety. I'm here to keep you safe. And in looking through your phone, I saw this. And I'm really proud of how you handled it. You know, I think that that would be important to say. And um, I'm worried about your friend. Right? I think that that, I would start there. If there's ever going to be a question of a call to the other parent, you go through your kid. So are you saying you should talk it out with your kid about whether or not you should approach the parent? Yeah. But because I'm just thinking, if I'm the kid and I you just found this on my phone and you're ratting out my friend, this is probably not going to be my friend very long because she probably maybe didn't want her parents to know about this either. Right. I mean, this is treacherous and tricky, no question. Okay. So the way then to consider this question. So say we've gotten through the question of the parent happening to be looking at her kid's phone, either having done so kind of accidentally and owning that. Or having done so without being above board about the fact that she was going to do it and owning that and apologizing and trying to reset, saying, going forward, I'm going to look periodically. I get it if it means I may not see as much. But there needs to be some repair around the fact that the parent was looking without being straightforward about it. Mm. So now we have this issue of a 14-year-old doing risky stuff but not your own 14-year-old as a kid. So then I think what the parent says to her own child is, you had the right reaction. You're scared for your friend. What's the story here? Like, Mm. what do you think? How worried should we be about her? And there will be information, right? I mean, your daughter, that child might say, you know, she's kind of out of control, or she's now downplaying it. She's making it seem like it's not a big deal. Okay, so that's one path. Your child might say, she is totally freaked out about the whole thing. She knows how lucky she is that nothing really bad happened. She is, you know, really gonna keep things very quiet going forward. Okay, so that's a different conversation. But if there is a worry about, gosh, like this is, this feels dicey or and it feels like it could stay dicey or it was dicey, then the question about involving the other family is what will it do to your relationship with your own child? Ah, oh, that's a good one. If you involve one. that family. And at the end of the day, and this is not easy to say and it's not without its complications. Your job as a parent is to keep your kids safe. Hmm. And if you feel like 
a quick call or, you know, an abrupt call over to the other family is going to shut down the lines of communication with your own kid. Like you said, like if your kid is going to be like horrified that you did this and it will be a massive rupture in your relationship, that is a problem because when kids don't have good working open lines of communications with adults who love them, they are surprisingly less safe. They are much less safe. Wow, I never looked at it that way. Wow. So in this situation, would you say, talk it through with your kid, but you might not need, to, but don't feel this obligation to reach out to the other parent because it could it could really damage your relationship with your kid, which is really important. It is really important and your kid's safety matters. So I think you want to go very slowly, talk about go slow, right? Really yeah. talk it through with your kid, really get a sense of what the implications would be of sharing that information in terms of damage to your relationship. And of course, as a parent, you're like, oh my gosh, if this happened to my kid and another parent knew and didn't tell me, right? Right? You're also, you'd be like, I would be beside myself. Totally. Okay. So if there is a sense of like, I don't know, this feels like it is the start of something concerning or part of a concerning pattern and like, gosh, that parent really needs to know, right? I mean, if they're starting to feel the sense of like a really powerful moral moral obligation, right, to, to say something, then you have some options. So then you can say to your kid, okay, her parents need to know. Her parents need to know. Like, this is not okay. She's not safe. How do you want them to find out? Mm. And then you can give your kid options. And this is true, Rena. For all sorts of risky behavior between teens. I mean, if a kid is talking about suicide, if a kid is getting into anything risky, and we as adults know that about another person's child, and we feel like, okay, it is not okay for that parent to stay in the dark about it, right? but we don't want to damage our relationship with our own kid, then you can say, all right, here are ways that information can get to that other child's family. So this parent could say to this child, her own child, you need to go to your friend and you need to say to her, one option is you go to your friend and you say to her, your folks need to know and I need for you to tell them or I have to tell them. So actually you you give your kid the option of being the one who tells the friend's parents herself wow. as opposed to doing the end run. That's a lot of pressure to put on my kid. It's an option. It's an, it's option. an option. Okay. Right? It's an option. And, so, like and sometimes, because the other thing, of course, always that kids are worried about that in here is damaging their relationship with their friend. Totally. Right. And so, so, I mean, Rena, none of this is simple and none of this yeah. is straightforward, but certainly you could say, you could coach your own child to say, look, you need to go back to your friend and say, look, I, I feel like your folks need to know what happened. Or especially if there's an ongoing pattern of behavior, especially if it's not like a terrifying thing that she luckily came out of safe. But if this kid is like kind of minimizing it or engaging in ongoing concerning behavior, I, you know, it gets easier for a friend to say, look, your folks need to know what you're up to. Like, this is not okay. Like, you're struggling. You're not safe. Mm-hmm. You need support. The only people mm-hmm. who can get you the support you need are your folks. You need to tell them what's happening, or I have to tell them what's happening. Wow. So you give that option. That's an option. I like that. Okay. And I also like what you said, you know, about when do you step in and how it could be so damaging on with your relationship with your child. I'd never thought of that before. You know, I'm playing morality police on whether I tell the parent and the far greater crisis in my home could be that my kid no longer trusts me and then might not tell me about risky behavior or things that are upsetting them. So that's, wow, that was... uh, It's a real problem. No, it's a really, I mean, these are really complicated things. 
The other option is to say to your kid, do you want me to call him? Mm. And sometimes kids will be like, yes, please. Because it takes the burden off of them and you yeah. deal with it and it's just too much for me. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And you say like somehow these parents need to find out. Either your friend can tell them, you can tell them, or I can tell them. Which of these feels most bearable to you? That's good. That's and really that good. is fair. Kids are, you know, and kids get that. I mean, I it's interesting. I, I've had conversations with kids where they're like, do they really need to know? And I was like, can you imagine being a parent who didn't yes. know this? Yes. And they'll be like, that is true. You yeah. know, um, so it's really, I mean, this letter just, you know, we can p- spool it out in so many ways around how to supervise kids while maintaining trust, how to have information without rupturing trust. Yeah, yeah. It's tricky. This is really good. I'm just curious, what do you think this mom does going forward? Because, you know, this child responded in such a cool, awesome way who should be given kudos for. And why it's almost like the child's penalized for doing well because the mom's going to be texting and, you know, checking texts, right? And, And wondering what's going on and checking up. Where, what do you think, where does she go from here at this point? Should she keep checking? Like, what's the approach? Well, that's such a good question. I think, okay, I have two answers to that. One answer is, I think that the mom could say almost exactly what you just said to her daughter, right? And, and I think that that's sort of how you start to enter these things. So she could say, I mean, I love your language. Like, she could say something like, all right, now I feel really torn because I do want to be above board about checking in, especially since I saw this kind of upsetting thing. I definitely feel more inclined to check. And yet I'm really aware that that may feel terrible for you, especially given how beautifully you handled this, especially given that your reaction was so appropriate. What should we do? What should we do? And and to really, if if that child can do it, to really have a roll-up-your-sleeves conversation of, do I need to be monitoring your phone? Why am I monitoring your phone? Mm. Does it help you be safe if I monitor your phone? Does it undermine your safety? Are you going to get sneaky on me and we need to deal with, you know, the lack of trust in our relationship? I mean, I think if the parent can really um, put themselves forward as trying to sort this out with the child, that safety is something we do with our kids, not to our kids, um, I think that it could be a conversation, not a decision. Wow, I love that. Safety. Say that again. That was really good. Safety. It's something we do with our kids, not to our kids. With our kids. I love that. Wow, that's really good. Wow. I, you know, the cell phone. Well, do you think we could just start a movement where we go back to flip phones for I everybody? Know. Adults I know. and kids. I know. The other thing is, we may not know if this is the start of a pattern, right? You're, you may, the parent may confront the daughter and say, like, oh, my Lord, you know, your friend did this thing that you had the right reaction to. Like, do we need to call her parents? And it's a very good chance, probably most likely, that the 14-year-old goes, I don't know, right? She might have had, like, this one totally out-of-control night, and now she's going to be a straight arrow from here on out, which happens. Yeah. Or she might be back in trouble soon. Mm. And so it's really hard to know if it's premature to call those other parents. And I think in that situation, the parent who saw the text might try to be patient and might say, look, I want you to be safe. I want your friends to be safe. Can you keep me posted? I'm here to help. Mm. And let it unfold a little. Okay. But would you still go back and check text messages even after giving that message to her? Um, 
I wouldn't do it surreptitiously. Okay. And I would try to do it as a part of a conversation about what maintains safety, what preserves safety, and part of what preserves safety is trust. And so I think this parent and this daughter are into a deep conversation about how can the parent be sure they can trust the child and how can the child feel that they can trust the parent. Mm. Oh, there's so much to think about. And one way to think about, you know, you know how um, there's the possibility of the full body CT scan, yes. you know, for medical health. And you know how doctors are like, you don't want that. Yeah. You don't yeah. want the full body because you will find, you know, this like quirky little spot on your liver that you never needed to know about. And you will find and you'll have like 400 diagnostic tests and all of these things and we'll rule it out. Sometimes I feel that way about parents monitoring their kids' digital technology. Oh, which is there's a lot of information that you're like, did you really want that information? And does it set you down a path of all sorts of diagnostic invasive things that have their own downsides? Yeah. And I think a lot of times physicians are like, if there's a problem, we'll know. Right, right. And that's another spot parents could sit in on this, which is I may periodically monitor. I'm going to tell them I will. I'm not going to try to do full body CT scan on their phones. <laughs> And I am going to trust that if something's really wrong, yeah. I know my kid well enough that I will somehow know. Yeah. Oh, that's good. The CT scan and your cell phone, that's good. So what do you have for us for parenting to go? Back to this idea of trust and us trusting our kids and our kids trusting us. I think if parents find themselves in a position where they are checking their kid's phone without telling their kid and doing it a lot, I would want that parent to think about where they are entrusting their child and if there's more that could be done to raise their overall level of trust in their child or to figure out why they don't trust their child and to try to tackle that problem or move that problem in the right direction as opposed to relying on surreptitious checking as the solution or the guarantee of the child's safety. Because it's not, it's a tricky solution and building and maintaining trust back and forth with a child is almost always going to be the safer option. Hmm. I've never thought about that, that that trust issue is something parents should think about when sort of intervening. It's great. Yep. Not easy, but important. Not easy. Speaking of trust, we've got an episode next week. We're going to talk about my son messed up. So how do I keep him from being canceled? Wow. That's a good one. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.